This is the Catholic Money Mastermind Podcast, the show where we explore the intersection of our faith and finances. You can learn more about our organization at catholicfinancialplanners.com. Please note that nothing in this episode should be construed as investment tax or legal advice. What I have for you here is my conversation with Mother Abbess Cecilia of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles up in Gower, Missouri. And this was a chance for me to sort of sit down with her and um, really ask her all the things that were just on my mind from a, a purely outside perspective. Um, and I'm intending to make a, a Bitcoin donation on their website. And uh, I want to put the link in the show notes too. If, if you want to support what Mother Abbas is doing, um, I just want to help her any way that I can because I'm so impressed by their work. Um, I will put the link in the show notes to where you can do that. But um, here is my conversation with Mother Abbas Cecilia of the Benedictines of Mary, Qu- Queen of the Apostles. And uh, I hope you enjoy this. address you as Mother Cecilia, right? That's the appropriate way to... Yes, uh, Mother Cecilia, Mother Abbas, Mother Mother Abbas Cecilia. Okay. I go by a variety of names. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's your... What is your role at the at the monastery? Are you the abbess? Is that how you I say? am the abbess, okay. which is mm-hmm. also known as the superior, mm-hmm. the head honcho, you could say, but um, the one appointed to to oversee everything really temporally and spiritually at the abbey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm from a pretty conventional, modern Catholic background. I think there was one nun in my high school, Sister Dominic, our math teacher. She's mm-hmm. great. She's deceased now, may she rest in peace. But that was my only experience with nuns growing up. Um, and I would imagine most of the listeners, it's either that or they remember the sound of music or they remember right. Sister Act. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat as most of you. I grew up not meeting one single nun in my life. Uh-huh. Um, and my first introduction to a sister was uh, in Houston when I was uh, attending university there. Uh, and it still didn't really uh, grab me in any way when I uh, saw that. But um, when I discovered the traditions of the church and the Latin Mass, especially, that's when I really started thinking, you know, I want to give my life to God. Mm-hmm. And I started actively looking for a place um, that I could go to to do just that. Mm-hmm. So, so were you a cradle Catholic then, if you will? I was a cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's get into that a little bit. But I guess maybe for starters, just to take a step back, mm-hmm. um, you've invited me up here for the second time, so thank you very much. Welcome. And I'm excited to attend Mass after this conversation again. But I drove up here from Kansas City to Northwest Missouri to your your monastery, the Benedictines of, of Mary. I went up a four-lane highway, then a two-lane highway, then a country road, then a gravel road <laughs> to find this this uh, this abbey out in the you know middle, middle of, of the cornfield, of, of the rolling hills, the cornfield. Um, there's an orchard as I drove in, and then I see this sort of um, striking um, stone building, this stone church. So just maybe for starters, like what what is this place? Like, how how, do you, how would you describe? the Abbey to someone that has never been here or is even maybe thinking that, um, 
their only knowledge of nuns is from Sister Act or right. Sister Music. Right, which can be very deceiving for sure. The, those two movies and, and others as well. Um, right. So we are, uh, well, we'll be uh, close to 60 uh, by the time November, December comes around. 60 in total women who have come together to this monastery to live under the rule of St. Benedict, a very ancient rule for monasteries. Um, as I mentioned, to give our lives completely to God. And we follow the rule of St. Benedict, which creates a beautiful order in our lives of work and prayer. The Latin, many people know, ora et labora, work and pray. And that's exactly what we do. We are in our church, our most beautiful church, as you mentioned, with the stone on the outside and a beautiful architecture on the inside, both outside and inside. Um, and we are there eight times a day praying the Divine Office, which is the official prayer of the Catholic Church in Latin, chanting the ancient Gregorian chants, and praying for the Church and praying for the world. I mean, our main raison d'etre, our reason for being here, is to be united to God, to do on this earth what we will, God willing, all of us be doing in heaven, being united to Him and living in His will, and with all the joy and the glory that comes with that. But we want to get a jump start on it here. <laughs> we want to start living literally that life of heaven here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we come from all over the country, including the world. We have uh, quite an international representation. A uh, sister from Mexico and Lithuania and two from England and two from Holland, one from Germany. And I'm missing one, I think, in there. Um, and we're so different. We have such different personalities and temperaments and different backgrounds and education um, but we're all here with a single purpose which is to love God with all of our hearts and to to give our lives in devoted service to him and that's manifested in a variety of ways which you could call our apostolate mm-hmm. um, so people think of nuns as teaching nuns generally because that's what a lot of people remember sisters as doing and, and some still are there are still some sisters teaching but we're kind of hidden away as you mentioned you're getting further and further away from quote-unquote civilization as you come here. Um, but really, what we're doing is building up civilization. We're, we're hanging on to the traditions of the church and the traditions that built up Western culture. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that stems from the stability. We, we are stable. We have order. Um, we know what we're supposed to do. We do it every day. We do it with love, with diligence. Um, we do it under the proper authority and obedience. Um, and that brings a great peace in the soul that I think a lot of people in the world are looking for and can't seem to find. I'm not suggesting that everyone enter a monastery to find peace. Obviously, that's not, that would not be prudent or practical or God's will. Um, but we have something here um, by the grace of God that um, can teach others something about bringing peace into into their lives. So you mentioned uh, the rule of St. Benedict, and you just reminded me that it was similar to what I've heard about St. Benedict, where back in the 6th century, um, you know, even like after the, or during maybe you could say the fall of the Roman Empire, he was very much... Um, restoring or rebuilding civilization with his order of monks at that particular time. So what, what is your connection to St. Benedict? What, um, well, he's 1500 our, years, later, years later or whatever it is. He mm-hmm. is indeed our spiritual father. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
the fact that this rule has lasted so long that communities are still living it, it speaks volumes about the wisdom and the prudence in the rule. Is it the oldest order of religious? Uh, I, I believe it is. I don't think any of the older, like the master, the world, the master are basically, okay. there may be some communities who still here and there who still follow, um, some older ones, but mm-hmm. really, I mean, St. Benedict is, is the main force. Um, and he, the wisdom there is enough to literally civilize a barbarous area, a barbarous civilization, which is what he did. Uh, and it's that, that Christian order that, mm-hmm. that we need so badly. So maybe to, um, you know, someone coming like with, with my background, I'm like a suburban dad, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what we are told is that you, in life, you go to college, you learn a, you learn a profession or a career and you go and you pursue a career path Mm -hmm. or you get married and you raise a family or you do both of those things. And like, those are the things that the world has sort of given us to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but you didn't choose that path. So what's up with that? (laughs) Actually I did. Uh I did. Um, I went to college. Uh I studied French horn. I got a degree. I studied further. I won an audition for the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. So I played, I had a career, I had a profession, I bought a house, I bought a car, I got a big paycheck. Interesting. And wow, I was just living the life. I mean, really, how did I get here? Like, I don't have a job. I play for my career. I mean, it's fun. Oh, but the thing is, God calls certain souls to belong to him. He does. Now, it, I would say growing up in the, the regular, modern Catholic world and with all that I went through, all that experience, it was hard to hear that, discern it, listen to his voice, um, because it's true. The world says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And, and with no real sisters to see as a, a possibility, well, of course, that's what you, that's what you do. But um, once I got there and I attained kind of the American dream, you know, I wasn't married yet, but I wasn't particularly drawn to that. Um, I was empty. I had it all. I had more money, really, than I knew what to do with it. Everything I had it all, and so um, our Lord showed me that I would never be happy unless I followed His will, His call, and His will for me was to give myself to Him. So He does call certain souls. He does not call every soul, obviously, but he wants certain souls in this world to belong entirely to him, even in this world. And that's always been the case. It's just in the last 50, 60 years of the church, we've had such a falling out of religious and priests. And there's so few examples or opportunities or you don't even know that's a a possibility. I didn't know growing up. I I had no idea you could be a sister. What are sisters? I've never seen a sister. So um, I think that's changing slowly. Um, and I will say, especially with the growth of the traditions of the Latin Mass and traditional orders who are really striving to live, you know, look, we all wear the habit. And as you mentioned, when you come in, it must be hot in the summer. It is hot in the summer. (laughs) It's very hot, but we love it. We would never take it off ever, ever. And I think it's very, um, it's sad that so many have. Um, and that doesn't draw vocations. I mean, we have like eight to 10 vocations join us a year at this point and 200 
300, 400 probably write letters or emails to inquire. We have probably 200 come each year to visit. And after the discernment process, um, we let about 10 come. So when God calls a soul, that's why you choose this. So you don't choose it on your own. You know? And you're describing, I believe, from my understanding, exactly the reason why this particular order was formed in the first place, where it was sort of specifically a rejection of, for lack of a better word, like the pantsuit nuns movement, which I recall, um, even like a rejection of some of the liberalizing of the liturgy. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. Like how did you find Mm -hmm. the Latin mass? I didn't think we did that anymore in the Catholic church. I thought that went away after Mm -hmm. like Vatican II. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was, this was a watershed moment for me. My mother, I was in Chicago at the time. She called me and she said, I discovered this mess that we used to have when I was growing up. And I, when you're home for Christmas, I really want to bring you there. And she was talking and saying the women veiled their heads and, you know, they dress nicely in skirts and things and there's Latin. And I, and I thought, well, this sounds really weird. In fact, I said to her, this sounds really weird. I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> it just was, sounded so foreign. But I relented and I went with her and my brother as well. We were in the back pew and bam, I mean, I was hit with a ton of bricks from heaven. The music, the, ch- the beautiful chant sounded like angels, the incense, the reverence. I didn't understand Latin, but I knew that the priest was worshiping God. Wow. And I kept saying to myself in my heart, this is Catholic. This is Catholic. I knew it from the first instant. And I left there saying to myself, if that was Catholic, what did I grow up with? What? Why such a disparity? What? Why is such a big difference? And it changed my life because I started wanting to learn my Catholic faith. I'd never really been taught it, you know, kind of watered down stuff that we were fed in the RCIA program or not RCA, but the confirmation first communion classes and things like that. I'd never heard body, blood, soul, divinity. I, you know, this is foreign to me. And so I found, um, someone found for me four books from high school from the fifties of the Catholic faith. And I just devoured them. It's like I was learning my Catholic faith for the first time. And it was because I had had that experience of the Latin Mass. And that Mass draws in souls. It's not for the old who are being nostalgic. When young people go and experience, especially a a Sung Mass, a High Mass, with, you know, the beauty that God deserves, the, the diligence and rubrics, everything is ordered. Everything is ordered. It draws you in to the mystery um, I, in fact, I'm sure many know about the Shia LaBeouf right. conversion and interview and how this affected him. That's just a confirmation of this. I mean, so many souls have experienced this, um, whether you're atheist or agnostic and experiencing it or coming from the Novus Ordo, the, the more modern Catholic, and, and seeing it and experiencing it, it draws you into the mystery. Latin Mass affects me deeply, deeply. And, how and come? Because it feels like they're not selling me a car. Hmm. Christ the King in Oakland does a Latin Mass every day of the week. And it feels like it's, it's not being done to sell me on anything. Mm-hmm. And it feels almost like, like I'm being let in on something very special. And the quiet, uh, um, the, 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 it, it, it activates something in me where it feels like I found something. It's a little bit like a band. Hmm. When a band is pushed on you, uh, you, it doesn't feel the same way as, as you finding it. 
When you find it, then you root for it. It feels like this special thing that you found and you protect it and you hold it and it's yours. When somebody's yeah. selling me on something, it, it somehow yeah. takes my, it kills the, the, my, 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 um, aptitude for it and my suspension of disbelief and my yearnings to root for it. You don't have to know everything. What I got from that experience was we are worshiping God. This is the sacrifice of Calvary. The priest is offering sacrifice on our behalf. That's Catholic, Mm. you know, and that struck me deeply. And it was from that point that I thought, and I knew I need to pursue. It took me another few years, but that was kind of the turning point for me. Like, I, this is my life. Like this is in my bones. I want to give this kind of worship to God, and I want to give it with my whole life. And so, um, I, I got the job actually just after that, and I was there for three years. But in the third year is when I realized, no, I, I can't run away from this. I know He wants me to give my life to Him, and so I searched on the internet. I remember going to the library because I didn't have a computer, and I looked up any communities of nuns who had the Latin Mass, mm. and I found. I think one, yes, this community I found on an illegal site. It wasn't supposed to be up. I'm glad it was up. <laughs> and then another from a, a pamphlet that someone had left in church. Well, that community had already died out. Um, they tried for just a few months, and I didn't know that. Anyway, so I found them, and I visited, and I had a little struggle with God. Uh, my Probably one of my last days there overnight. Like, how can I do this? Give up my will. Give up my everything, my career, my house. my. I mean, it was like a battle, like, you know. Um, but then all of a sudden, by his grace, I realized, if this is what he wants me to do, this is how I am going to be happy and fulfilled. And if I keep running from it, I'll never be happy. I will always be feeling like I'm missing out or like I'm unfulfilled or just miserable deep down because I'm not doing what he wants me to do. I, I knew I had the grace to know that he wanted me to do this, even though it was hard mm-hmm. to give everything up. Have you been given consolation that you did the right thing? Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, even in fact, today is the 19th anniversary of my entering the community. So the night before I entered, it was still a bit of a, I hardly slept. I mean, I was anxious. I was, what am I doing? (laughs) Are you, is it one of these deals where once you're in, you're in, you're making sure. Oh no, I know. There's in fact a a very long discernment process. So we'll, we'll decide to accept someone. They come for what's called the candidacy for a few months Two, two or three months where they wear their lay clothes, they just a long visit to make sure you know. A lot of times, we'll find out either they or we that it's not a, not the right fit. So there's that, and then there's the postulancy, which is filling out the rest of that first year. Then they become novices, where they are invested in the habit, the Benedictine habit with a white veil that lasts for two years. That's still absolutely you go if you need to go. We send you away if we need to send you away. That's it's discernment. So three years already of discerning, is this right? Mm -hmm. And then you make first vows, which are only temporary because the church wants to be even more prudent and um, they're not permanent yet. So there's another three years to really, because it's so important because once you make, after those six years, your final solemn vows, that's it. Then, yeah, there's no going back. You've made a vow to God for your life. And if if something does come up, which it has once in our past, um, the sister will get a dispensation from Rome. That's how serious it is. You have to go all the way to Rome to get a dispensation from solemn vows. Um, 
but yeah, there, it's a, it's a long time to, to discern. Is, is this really right? <laughs> is this what God? Yeah, I mean, that's very. Just speaking of everything countercultural, which is one of the reasons why the Bitcoin community sort of, you know, I think is probably very amenable to your sort of thing. Is like we're very countercultural mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what's sort of in the zeitgeist of like people that are my age or maybe even younger is you're not sort of making long term plans. You know, you're making very short term plans, or you're like going through like relationships casually mm-hmm. you're going through jobs casually you're moving around a lot mm-hmm. um, you're not committing to any mm-hmm. any you know person mm-hmm. creed or religion or whatever the case is but you're doing the exact opposite of that mm-hmm. and I can see it just by looking at you mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting mm-hmm. one of the sort of um, tenets of crypto enthusi- enthusiasts is there's this idea that you should move that fast and break things with the money which is like what a lot of like these crypto people are into. And um, the Bitcoiners are not into that because there's this idea with the money, it's sort of um, something that you should need to be very careful with and you need to not make large changes with mm-hmm. the money. And so it strikes me that the Latin mass um, mm-hmm. has a very similar ethos where we have this treasure of the church. And if, you know, if and when changes have been made, it's been very organic and very yes. gradual over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this sense that it all sort of blew up at one point and there was many changes that were made mm-hmm. quite, quite quickly to the point where if somebody were to walk into uh, a Latin mass, as I'm going to here in a few minutes, um, with, with the Benedictines of Mary, it would look quite different than, you know, like sort of your average suburban Catholic church. You're, you're doing chant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the priest is um, facing the altar and he's praying the prayers in, in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're saying the Shia LaBeouf thing, totally agree. Like, you, you, there's a sense of authenticity of like yes. this thing is you know over a thousand years yes. old. It's the real we're, thing. We're sharing in the tradition of our you know our the generations before us. Yes. Um, so I can see why you, you sort of gravitate towards that. And it makes a connection with our ancestors, with our forefathers who came before us. This is how they worshipped. So how can we all of a sudden say it's no good? That's a terrible thing to say. You're condemning generations that came before you. You know, we're not honoring our ancestors. We're sort of rejecting yes. everything that they passed down to yes. us. I, I grew up in a Catholic family on both sides, so that was the the, uh, the inheritance that my ancestors mm-hmm. passed passed down to me. And isn't that what the, the woke culture? They're trying to get rid of any of all of that. Forget history. Forget the past. Start now. Change now. Do this. Do this. Do this. One hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it's so foreign to the way God made us. Mm-hmm. He made us to receive and to pass on. That's, that's basic, to receive what our parents, our grandparents, and so forth gave us and pass it down. It's treasures, not just the liturgy, especially the liturgy, but in, in so many things, so many ways. I mean, farming, who knows how to farm anymore? It's all been, it's a, and this, this is one thing we do, and we're uh, hopefully getting better and better every, better every year, but just self-sustaining so we can, we can work closely with, with the ground, the soil, and God's creation and produce our own food. Right here. It's really a beautiful thing. Mm. We have dairy cows and vegetable gardens and orchards, as you mentioned. Um, that's part of this, I think. Yeah. I mean, Are you referring to the idea that like farming has become you know, merely like finding the right pesticides? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, Mass producing. Uh-huh. How beautiful to have more local you know, um, family farms again and, and people trading. You give me potatoes for this. I mean, that, yeah. maybe this sounds so antiquated, but there's something so beautiful about that. That real, true reliance on, on community, not this fake things, that, you know, the 
that has been made up and forced upon us. It's not well, when I had lunch here last time, I think you produced all the food yourself. The what, food what, what, what food do you produce here? Well, the, the, the dairy is important, so we have a lot of... We, we drink milk quite a bit, but yeah. all the things you can make from the dairy, the yeah, butter, the milk. yogurt, the ice cream, mm-hmm, raw milk. Mm-hmm. Oh, you make ice cream. Ice cream oh, is the best. Good. Everyone who has it says... And the yogurt, too, because I've never had yogurt like this. It's true. It is so good. We have Jersey cows. They they have a lot of cream in their milk. But How many head of cattle do you have? I think we have six or seven right uh-huh. now. Mm-hmm. And we have chickens, so we have our own eggs. Uh-huh. And we... We've planted just about any anything and everything. So have you learned how to farm too? In your... Me personally? Yes. Uh, in a sense, yeah, but I'm not able to be out there as much as the other okay. sisters, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are sisters here at the Abbey that are experts in these various areas. I won't say experts, but getting there, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> we get more and more and more expert every day as we experience, you know, and learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful it's a beautiful process. Yeah. Well when Father Father Bartolica told me that he had an interest in Bitcoin. I sort of got it because uh, the church has been speaking for a thousand thousand years now, like since almost St. Thomas, about how um, there's an abomination in in like uh, the kings debasing the money and stuff like that, where people make sort of these moral cases about the ethics of money production. But on the other hand, um, it seems to me, it would seem to me that at a very surface level that... um, a group of traditional nuns would like reject technology. But as we, as we mentioned earlier, like you embrace certain aspects of technology. You have a website, you mm-hmm. uh, have music on Spotify, which mm-hmm. has had three and a half million downloads and you use Bitcoin. You have a hardware wallet, you collect Bitcoin donations. So tell me more about that. How is it that, you know, a group of traditional nuns, which in many ways, um, you know, embrace the sort of tradition of the ages, but you at least still embrace certain technologies when it's appropriate. Well, we may look at, but we're certainly not Amish. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we don't reject everything. And this to say that the technology is is somehow evil in and of itself. No, that's not accurate at all. Can it be used for evil means? Of course, it can. Everything. Alcohol is a good. I mean, a glass of wine. What's that's a good thing. You can anything can be used abused or used for for evil in that sense and that's where our free will comes into play but um nevertheless um it's very clear that our lord wants this way of life um and the order that comes with it and the peace and the joy that comes with it to be shared and how do you share it well (laughs) you use the internet you you have a website you have a platform where you can receive you know gifts which Yes, it benefits us, but it benefits donors, too. I mean, I, if I can make a little plug here for anyone who, you know, who wants to help build up civilization, um, when you build up monasteries, you're doing that. So if, if I were a very wealthy person and I, you know, want to be prudent and go for the long term and all that, yes, but, but if I have an awful lot of money and I have, you know, Bitcoin or I have whatever, dollars in the bank, whatever it is, I would want to turn that into at least a portion of what I had into something that was lasting, something that was, you know, tangible, this, the stones, uh, the stones to build a house of God, mm-hmm. um, which is in fact what we're doing down in Ava, Missouri right now. We've built this up here in Gower. We have a daughter house and they're going to have close to 15 sisters here soon. 
and they have no room whatsoever. So we've designed a monastery and a church, and it's going to cost about $18 million. Um, and I just think if I were someone who, who had means, I would want to assist um, in making this tangible these tangible goods, not something that's slapped up to last for 50 years, some of these apartment complexes, and it doesn't matter, just, you you know, utilitarian, just get it up, let it fall down in 50 years, we won't be here. But no, something that's going to last, something that will be passed down from generation to generation to last a thousand years, you know, this beautiful monument to God's glory. Um, so we have had such beautiful success with several very large Bitcoin donations to help build this this house of prayer. And so I... And how, how old is, is the this this building that we're in right now? Well, we moved in almost 12 years ago okay. here, but the church is only about four years old. Got it. So we built yeah. the structures here. So what happened? Was there um, generous owners of Bitcoin that had had some appreciation and they said, well, we, let's share some of this yes, with the good... Yes, exactly. Seat. That's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. And, and they knew we had a need to build the yeah. church. And boy, did that help us. I mean, it, it, wow. What a grace. What a blessing. Without, you know, I don't know if we'd still be paying off a loan. No, probably not. But it, it, it helped us so much to, to not have a loan, to not have to get a loan to pay interest on, you know, on this, this beautiful building. Yeah, I mean, what can happen with um, sort of the, the, the debt-based economy, you mentioned sort of slapping up a utilitarian apartment building, is when you borrow all the money to do something like this, there is an incentive to just get it done quickly and cheaply yes. as opposed to doing it the right way, which you've done here. And I, we need to share pictures so people can see what you've done yes. here. And, and you're going to do something similar, maybe even a grander version of that in Southern Missouri. Well, um, I won't say grander, but <laughs> <laughs> it will be a more traditional uh, Benedictine layout, mon- monastic layout. So here, <laughs> it's a bit of a long story. Uh, the former... Um, it, this building that we're in right now was built to be a guest house. And then once the superior left, we moved, we moved here from Kansas City and realized this is too big for a guest house. We need to make this work. So we, we built that. We moved in. And then we built this portion on where we're sitting. And then we built the church on. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a long, linear monastery. It's kind of imposing when you drive in. It's like this. So, but traditionally, it's more in the shape of a square um, with a courtyard. We do have a little courtyard here. Yeah. But, um, it, it, that's just... It, it reminds me, you should go, if you ever have a chance to visit the Kansas City Art Museum, mm-hmm. there is a beautiful, um, really treasure trove collection of medieval Catholic art. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a, an old monast- like an old monastery that you can like walk through. In really? That section. You would love it. Yeah, it's, it's really oh, beautiful. And it's amazing that it's in just a secular oh. art museum, but um, that reminds me exactly what you're describing there. So, so that's what we're hoping to build. Well, we are. We already, it, built, yeah. we already started pushing dirt around. Uh-huh. They're going to be pouring concrete okay. in the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, I'll just let this be kind of a, a, a shout out for anyone yeah. who, you know, we have a little extra... We will have. Um, we're getting our new website worked on right now. It'll be done very soon, and we'll have an easy way to to make donations toward this beautiful building, this church for God's glory. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to defend the Catholic Church here in a sense because you know one of the white pill things that I you know we, we talk about restoring Western civilization. There is still this sort of um, hangover, I guess, or maybe not hangover is the right word. This this sort of after effect of, of Christendom or Western civilization where people are still quite generous, mm-hmm. like even, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, non-Catholics, fallen away Catholics, mm-hmm. there's still this sense that you should just give, mm-hmm. give without asking. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, um, to me, that's sort of, um, an after effect of, 
Yeah, of Western civilization. Absolutely. The idea that you would just give money without expecting anything yes. in return wasn't around in yes. sort of the Roman Empire or the. And Americans are very generous. Yeah, so I've noticed that too, um, even with non-religious people. And so, yeah, I, I want to support what you're doing, and I'll make sure to throw something in the hat and mm-hmm. help you. You have massive success in your, you your capital much. campaign, and I, and I want the listeners to support you as well. well and I assure anyone who is inspired to give something, God will bless you abundantly. He, he truly blesses those who help his brides. And we are his brides. We are. We've given our lives to him. And so anyone who assists us in any way, spiritually, financially, he will reward you. And I promise that. This is truth. So keep that in mind. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well... Uh, Mother Abbess, this has been a real pleasure. Th- thank you for joining me on the podcast. Yes, it's welcome. been a pleasure to meet you. It's been a pleasure to, to speak with you today. Great. God bless you. You too. Yeah.